This is the seventh instance of the 99th episode. Thanks for tuning in. I don't, it's a, uh, would not buy it yet. Getting so desperate you're brewing mushrooms, that's a, that's a bad sign. But it's, it's, it's normal coffee, but it's like infused with chaga mushrooms and lion's mane. It's supposed to be like super coffee for super performance, but it just kind of tastes like mediocre coffee. Mediocre coffee. So we're going to have a mediocre podcast today. Hey, yeah. Well, <laughs> as, lo- as long as we know where we're going, that's that's what's important here. Yeah. W- welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> welcome. I, on the other hand, started my morning with uh, with a nice smoothie. I've been doing this every morning, and I usually on my days off will uh, drag my butt about doing it because I want to be lazy, but I I see how good it makes me feel and how good it gets me going, so I, I didn't today. Uh, but I do a smoothie with a uh, serving of greens. So I basically pack the blender with greens. I use uh, kale and spinach, and then I add um, flax milk is what I'm using right now, uh, but I haven't been able to find it, so it might be switching soon. Uh, but I soaked chia seeds overnight in the flax milk to unlock them so you could actually get to their nutrients when you digest them. So I pour that in, I blend it up until it's liquid. And then I add in um, a couple servings of frozen fruit. And say I threw a little bit of peanut butter in there for a little something different. But it gets me awake, gets me going, gives me nutrition. The cool thing is, like, I could not eat lunch if for some reason I wasn't able to. And I'd actually, like, have energy to keep going throughout the day and I wouldn't feel awful later. That's really cool. That sounds really tasty. Yes, yeah, so I went that way instead of uh, starting with the coffee and doing the smoothie later. And uh, I feel better for it. Awesome. Excellent. So I am ready for a great podcast. You're ready for a mediocre podcast. Um, well, in theory, these chaga mushrooms in the lion's mane are supposed to expand my mind or something. So we'll we'll see if it actually works. A deep podcast that tastes weird is what we're going for then. <laughs> okay, I like it. <laughs> so I know yeah. we have a couple things that we both want to talk about today, which is probably the first time we've been there. Yeah. Uh, usually we, we each have a couple things we want to talk about, and then the conversation goes. Do you want to start with toys or with books? Let's start with toys. Let's let's start with my, my toy-finding escapades. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to start with the in, set the scene, which is uh, G.I. Joe classified figures is what I've been after. And um, this is the recent new six inch line of, of GI Joe figures that Hasbro just started making. And GI Joe's always been a four inch size or three and three quarter inch size action figure, at least since the eighties. If you discount the doll sized versions from the sixties and seventies. So the six inch size is like a whole new world to Joe's and all my other GI Joe's in my collection i say is uh are all four inch so i wasn't sure if i wanted them but then they released the first one a few months ago and i got it just to kind of see if i like it and i got it and i loved it and i wanted all of them which one was the first one the snake eyes there was a a limited edition oh snake yeah eyes that one put out by hasbro pulse it was uh, direct from hasbro pulse it came with like a weapons rack and a big fancy packaging box that was different from just the normal packaging it was kind of like a deluxe edition of snake eyes 
a deluxe edition of the deluxe action figure. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. What's cool about these figures, or I guess one of the things is, because they're made by Hasbro, which also makes Star Wars Black Series and Marvel Legends. And I feel like the Black Series and Marvel Legends are kind of comparable in terms of the amount of detail and the amount of accessories you get. But these Joe figures are definitely a step up from that in terms of the amount of detail and the number of accessories you get. And what was pointed out to me is that Hasbro doesn't have to pay any licensing fees on G.I. Joe because they own it outright. Versus Marvel and Star Wars, they have to pay a licensing fee for every figure they sell. So they get more of the money so they can put more into these figures than they would for an X-Man or a Luke Skywalker because they don't have that additional take coming off the side. So that makes sense. And you want, you want to make more of your money with whatever you have the most control of. Like if you go to the grocery store nowadays, you're seeing that there's more and more store brand groceries that are better quality, but more affordable because they'd rather you save a little bit more money getting their stuff. That's just as good Mm -hmm. because then they, they still end up making more money, even giving you the deal. Yeah, so yeah, GI Joe is a, a store brand. Of GI toys. Joe is store brand action figure. So it really, if you want like you know high class name brand action figures, you should go for like the Action Force. Uh, you know. Oh yeah, men. that's right. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, Action Force would be the the um, the Fruit Loops <laughs> of action figures. <laughs> uh, so they came out with the Wave One of figures. And then Wave 2 is coming, but before Wave 2, there's this special subset called Cobra Island, and it's only available at Target. And so this is my first time really dealing with a exclusive to insert store here action figure. They went out for sale for pre-order, and they sold out literally within seconds. Like, I'm almost everybody I've talked to says... I had it in my cart when they went on sale. And by the time I pressed the checkout button and then was able to try to check out, they were all gone because scalpers wrote bots to buy them all up. So the sellout was instantaneous and actual collectors didn't get any. And then they started showing up on eBay for a hundred dollars a figure, like immediately. So that, was a very feel-bad situation for almost all collectors with these figures. But they said, well, they're going to be in stores in August 14th. And this is going to kind of date stamp this episode a little bit in terms of when we're recording versus when you're actually listening to it, dear listener. So they said they're going to be out on August 14th in the stores. But some stores started selling them early. And Hasbro then said, hey, they're in stores August 1st. But I guess nobody really told Target that because some Targets would say, yeah, sure, here you go. Buy them. We don't care. Some Targets would say, no, they're listed as August 14th. I don't care what anyone else says. I can't sell it to you. So it became this very weird rollout where they weren't really available. And some stores would make them available. Some stores wouldn't. They were just kind of really tough to get. But I knew it seemed like in Southern California, all the stores were sticking to that August 14th street date. So August 14th was last Friday. I looked online before going out anywhere to see if any stores listed them in stock. And there was one store near me. 
Now, mind you, I'm in a place where there, within 20 miles of me, there are literally 20 targets. I, I, I looked it up online, and within 21 <laughs> miles of my location, there are 20 targets listed on the website. So I have a plethora of targets around me. There's two real figures that I really wanted from this run. There's the beachhead action figure and the Cobra Trooper action figure. And the Cobra Trooper is the really hard one to get because everybody wants multiples because he's a trooper. So, you know, it's just like, you know, with your, your turtles, the only thing better than having the Ninja Turtles fight a foot soldier is having them fight four foot soldiers. At 20 bucks a pop, I disagree. <laughs> well, well, that's 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 the catch. But I mean, say if money were not uh, an issue, it, it's always better to have more of the army building figures than less. That's kind of my feeling about it. Remind me at the end of this, because I don't want to interrupt in the middle of it, to talk about the Technodrome. Okay. All right. Technodrome. I'll, I'll make a mental checklist. So there was one target near me, the one down in uh, Baldwin Park, that listed Cobra Troopers in stock. So I went down there and got there about 20 minutes before store opening. I was already the, I think, fifth person in line. And so I was thinking, oh, man, like, is, is this just going to be a race? Is it just going to be a stampede of people, like, all gunning for the toy aisle and then having a massacre over these action figures? Like, I had no idea what to expect because I've never done anything like this. I've never done this, like, toy hunt, toy chase, going to the store first thing to try to get the whatever thing. But then the manager comes out right before opening and he says, hey, everyone. We're out of Lysol, just so you know. So I started thinking, oh, man, okay, maybe all these people are here just for cleaning products. And so maybe it's not as bad as I think. Maybe we're good to go. But by the time the store does open, there's another 15 to 20 people in line behind me, I think. And I I can tell that they're not all there for G.I. Joe's. Like, it, it seems pretty clear. But the doors do open. And the two guys in front of me start heading straight for the toy aisle, as do I. And we all got there, nothing, no Joes, just nothing out there at all. So we all kind of looked around to see if they're hidden behind boxes or here or there. And we all kind of said like, hey, you're looking for Joes? Yeah, I'm looking for Joes. Oh, I am looking for Joes. And uh, that's too bad. They're not here. Whatever. Okay. So we all kind of were dejected and decide to kind of leave. But instead of leaving, I went up to the customer service counter and I asked the guy, and I said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm here looking for G.I. Joe's. I know they're supposed to be on sale today. Do you have any? And so he looks them up and he says, well, it looks like we have some in the truck that just arrived and they're being offloaded now, but we don't have access to them at this moment. But around nine o'clock, we will, we should have them off the truck and uh, have them out there. And so I said, okay, well, I can wait that time because it was already almost 8.30. So there was almost no point in driving home than driving back. It was just easier to just wait till nine o'clock. So I asked the guy, so like, what's, what's the, how do I do this? Like, where do I wait? You know, and he said, well, you know, just kind of go back by the toy aisle and, and when we get them, we'll come out with them. And I said, OK, cool. 
and also the manager was there. He was like kind of greeting customers as they entered the store, which is right by the customer service counter. And he was involved with the conversation too. So uh, that, that ends up being a good thing. And they were all kind of helpful, but also kind of limited in what they could do because there's a limit to what they can do. So I go back to the toy aisle and there's one other guy there and he's just kind of milling around. And so we start talking and we're both there for the GI Joe. So I say, you're here for Joe. Like, yeah, I'm here for Joe. You're here for Joe. Yeah, I'm here for Joe. Uh, So we started kind of sharing information and he said, well, he was at the store yesterday and the toy manager said that there were two copies of the Cobra Trooper that they had in stock that weren't going to go on sale until today. So I look at him and I say, well, there's two of us here. (laughs) And he says, yep, there sure are. I said, well, that's perfect. And he said, yeah, sounds good to me. And so we kind of came up with an alliance here, me and this guy that, all right, so we're the first two here. So if there's only two figures, they go to you and me. And then I told them, they said that they're unloading some of the other figure, the beachhead, off of the truck this morning. Also, again, there's like two of us here. So perfect. And he had already got the beachhead at another store earlier from one of the stores that wasn't paying attention to the street date. So he's like, I I don't need a beachhead, but whatever. So we're just kind of milling around and waiting. Another guy shows up. And this guy was 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 kind of interesting because he's was very much like a toy hunter kind of guy. The first guy I talked to, he's like, "Yeah, I've never really like done this thing where you go to a store early and and tried to get Joe's." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, me neither. Like, this is my first time being at a Target waiting in line for it to open to try to get something like this." And so him and I were kind of in in, in the same situation of being totally new to this, not really knowing the deal. But as I learned, there seems to be like this this big subculture of toy hunters. And I don't know what these people do like for a living or something that where they can spend all their time just going to targets and uh, meeting all the toy managers and knowing them all and uh, kind of working out deals and friendships with all these people that manage this stuff. But apparently they exist because they started showing up. And the third guy who showed up, he was talking to us and he was kind of an interesting toy collector because we, we told him like what we knew is like, yeah, we're waiting for the Cobra soldier. And he starts saying, ah, oh, that Cobra soldier, that's garbage. That figure, like it can't even hold its gun. Like you want that figure? Oh man, that's, that's, that's a waste. Like why are you, why are you even going for this figure? Like, come on. And, and so like, I think the other guy's like, ah, oh, so you're going to pass on. He's like, oh no, I have six of them. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> and he says, uh, so th- th- this was great. Is, have you ever seen the Saturday Night Live Star Wars action figure? Uh, no. It's, it's, it's hilarious. It was when the uh, Force Awakens came out. They did this skit where it's like kids playing with the action figures. Then all these grown-up nerdy men come out like, yeah, on us too. They're for us. And so the kids are like, yeah, we can play with them. And then they're like, or we can leave them in the box and never touch them. <laughs> and, and then one guy says like, I have three of them. One to display, one to keep in the box, and one just in case. (laughs) 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 So then what was great is that that was mirrored by this guy. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I opened two of them. 
Then I have two mint in the box. And then I have two, like, just in case. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet. <laughs> and it was, like, straight out of uh, the Saturday Night Live <laughs> skit. That's awesome. And so th- this guy was kind of, like, in a situation where he, he would say one thing and then be doing the exact opposite. Because then he said, yeah, I just bought them all on eBay from scalpers because, you know, I didn't want to do the thing where you come to the store early and hunt for stuff. He's like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to, like, you know, go to Target and wait and, you know, try to get all this stuff. But the thing is, that was exactly what he was doing at that moment. <laughs> so he said, no, nah, I don't have time for this. What you guys are doing, this is crazy. But he was literally there doing that exact thing. So it was a, a very bizarre, interesting situation. So we we kind of had the shape of things here, which was that uh, me and the other guy, we, we were one and two in line. Then there was this third guy. He was number three in line. And then uh, there were a few more people that had shown up with, and kind of were milling about the toy aisle. So there were like six or seven of us just kind of hanging out in this toy aisle here. And um, the people that had gotten there ahead of me, before me, they just left when they saw that they weren't out on the racks. So I'd kind of established myself as first in line for um, the action figures. And this other guy was like, he was kind of the other first in line in a way. And we had the shape of things, which is there's some on the truck. We don't know what's on the truck, but they're unloading it and they should come out around nine. And in addition to that, the toy manager should show up around nine and he has two Cobra troopers somewhere in the back that he's not going to put on sale until today. So a little before nine, the manager of the store, the the guy who was up front when I was asking customer service about these, comes out with two beachhead figures. And he said, this is all that was on the truck, (laughs) which is kind of crazy. It's like the the day these are supposed to hit the street and they have two of one of the figure arriving in their shipment. And he says, well, he looks at me and he says, I know you were here first uh, because I saw you up front and we were talking. So he hands one to me. And so then he says, and so, so who else was here? Like who was second? He, they were kind of counting on us. So me and the other guy who had the pact, he said, well, I actually already have beachhead. I don't need it. So he passed it on to the third guy who was the, oh man, I don't have time for this waiting around stuff and, and hunting like you, like I'm actually doing at this moment guy. And the, oh, that figure's garbage. I only have six of them guy. Like, so he then took the second beachhead. So then we were all kind of waiting because uh, this was just like the store manager, not the toy manager. So we had to wait for the toy manager to show up. And finally he did right around like 9.15 or so. So then we talked to him. We say, hey, we're here for we we're waiting for the the Cobra soldier figures. We we understand you have some in the back. So he says, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll be back in a minute. He goes into the back, and a few minutes later, he walks out. He has two of the Cobra soldiers. He says, I, I had to hide them back there because other employees will just sell them because they don't know that or care about the street date thing. So he had to like find this place to stash them away to save them until that day. And he comes out, and he says, all right, who was first? Who was second? And me and the guy I teamed up with, uh, at the very beginning, we're like, hey, we, we were first and second. So he hands one to each of us. And that other guy and I, we kind of fist bump each other that we mission accomplished. We did it. 
there were about a half dozen other sad grown men <laughs> in in the aisle <laughs> that didn't get their action figures that morning, but I got my beachhead and my Cobra Trooper. It was a matter of just getting there early, persevering, talking to the managers, being nice, being patient, being understanding of, of what they can and can't do at the minute, not being demanding, but just kind of asking for help when they could provide it, and it worked. And I'm stoked because these these figures are awesome. I really like them. <laughs> That's awesome. My two takeaways from the story. Number one, I'm very Number glad one. that I've never tried to do that. <laughs> I don't oh, want man. I never want to do that again. That. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's not my thing. I'll, I'll I'll take my chances later. Like I definitely understand where it's worth it, but also like it's like once you're in it, you're in it, you know. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably stay away from that. I've I've tried to check for stuff like day of, but I don't think I've ever been to like you know get there at open. And I've just learned from. I mean, the fact you know, like anytime I've tried it, you don't get anything. So I just kind of if I come across it in the wild later, then it's fate, you know. But I already forgot what the second one was. That was uh I'm just blown away by it. <laughs> I yeah. I've come across those Cobra Troopers. Really? And I had no idea that they were scarce like that, but I have seen those. The all blue figure? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I've man, seen yeah. them at least once cuz when I was first looking, that was one of the things I found cuz I was like, "Oh, those look cool, but they're not snake eyes. I just want snake eyes." And I got my one snake eyes and I'm happy. I'm, I'm a little tempted by the other ones just because, you know, that's that's how it goes. Like you say, I'm just going to get this. But then you're like, well, th- those ones are cool, too. But mm-hmm. um, for, for now, at least, I'm going to just stick with Snake Eyes. Um, I, I told Like I told you before, I, if uh, Cobra Commander comes across my path, I might be a little tempted. But uh, for the most part, otherwise, like the other ones is like, they're cool, but they, I don't know, don't stand. It's like I, I don't have enough of a relationship with the characters you know sure, so yeah it's like i mean i was telling you we were talking about roadblock last time or texting about roadblock i don't remember um and at, at my target they had like six of the cobra island roadblocks and then they had two of the regular roadblocks and first of all i'm like why the hell do they only have roadblock he's kind of the peg warmer i think of the uh of this series which is too bad because, like, I was looking, I was like, he's a very cool figure. Like, I would buy Roadblock if I was going to buy another one, no problem. Like, I prefer, I mean, I understand character wise, like, Duke is more important than Roadblock, but I'd buy Roadblock over Duke just comparing them. He's way cooler looking. I, um, I agree. I like the Roadblock a lot now that I have the, the regular Roadblock. I didn't get the Cobra Island, uh, the, like, he's all gray and black and white camo. Uh-huh. That one I feel like is going to be available at a discount at some point because <laughs> that is I I think the one figure that that's the one where you it, it is just there is stock available in Southern California stores right now even where there's no stock of anything else and I think that that figure is looked at as eh I I don't really need that figure much so I'm hoping that I'll find that one I'll I'll, I'll pull a Paul method on that and wait till it's on clearance to get that one. That's, that's the right way to go about buying toys, in my opinion. But <laughs> So, this all got me thinking about my toy story. And this came up with my son the other day. So, uh, Micro Machines just, like, got re-released type of a deal, right? So, Really? Like, the, the cars? Yeah, yeah, Micro Machines. I, and what's funny, both Micro Machines and G.I. Joe, I've been thinking for, like, 
year, last couple of years, like, why don't they ever make these again? Like, I, I've been keeping my eyes open because I, you know, I started reading G.I. Joe's. Like, I don't want to own a bunch, but it'd be kind of cool to have one G.I. Joe figure. Just, you know, it's kind of nice to have that, like, physical manifestation of something that you're, you're enjoying reading or watching or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah, um, sure. And then, like, micro machines. Like, I, I see how my, like, my son has a ton of Hot Wheels. He doesn't play with them a ton. He plays with them son. I like, I see how he likes to play. He likes little things. He likes, you know, playing with little things rather than, like, um, I had gotten him over time a whole bunch of the, uh, Marvel Titan figures, the, like, the, the big, like, I don't know, like, 10 inch tall ones, 12 inch tall. So, mm, but how uh-huh. tall they are. Uh, yeah, 10 inch sounds right. I think 12 is too big. He never got into playing with them. Like, never did. So, my wife's grandmother was having a, a yard sell, so I was like, you should sell these in the yard sell. And he didn't want to. I was like, but Sammy, you never play with them. Oh, no, I'll play with them. I was like, you don't need to make yourself play with them. If you don't really like to play with them, that's okay. Just sell them so you can use the money to buy something else. Like, it'll be your money when I sell them. So we, we sold them. They sold really well. But, you know, it's I've kind of realized how he played. So right after his birthday, because for his birthday, he loves Minecraft. And when Minecraft Dungeons came out, I... I when I was on vacation for his, like, his and my birthday, I took a couple weeks off. Uh, I bought Dungeons pretty early on so we could play it. And he loves it. And I love playing it, too. Like, it's really fun to play. And he got really excited about it, the toys, the characters. But you couldn't find any of the toys. Like, you couldn't find anything. Right after his birthday, I go into to Walmart to get something we need. And, and he and my wife are waiting in the car because usually we kind of minimize going into stores as best as possible. So, like, I think we needed one thing. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to run in. You guys stay in the car instead of all of us going in for one thing. And they had a display. The first display I saw is, because I was keeping an eye out for the G.I. Joe figures. The first display I see is Micro Machines. And I go, oh, man, these are awesome. So I get one. I'm like, I'm just going to get one of these for Sammy because I think he'll really like them. And then... I turn around, like, going back to the front, like, you know, got it, whatever else I needed, I'm going to leave, and I see this big display of Minecraft Dungeons toys. So Ooh, excellent. So, and he, I knew he had birthday money, so I, I called my wife real quick, and I said, they have Dungeons toys, does Sammy want me to get him one with his birthday money? And, you know, of course he did, but I still, I wanted him to make the decision, um, so I, I, I got him one. And we leave. I give him the micro machines. Uh, actually, I didn't give him the micro machines right then. I, I waited till later, and I gave them to him later. I said, "I think you're really gonna like these." And he got excited about the micro machines. Down the road a little bit at Target, they finally had them in stock, uh, and they had these little like I think they were like fifteen dollar play sets. So I picked one of those out for him and got him like one more pack of cars, and he's really digging them. And we go into Target one day, and of course, his favorite thing is go look at the toy aisle. And I show him the micro machines. And I show him they have the big van city. Do you remember that from when we were a kid? No, I I kind of skipped micro machines for the oh, most part. I think yeah. I maybe had one pack of them, but I had another friend that was really big into micro machines, but I just I skipped it. Yeah, I know you're a few years older than me, so must have like the timing might have been just right to where you were just starting to get old enough to like shift off of certain toys, you know. Yeah, um, I know that's been the case for me with some things where somebody be like, oh, I love this. I'd be like, yeah, like I was like just old enough to not really care as much. about yeah, that, it, but. it is kind of weird how with uh, 80s kids and early 90s kids, there are these kind of micro generations of which toys 
you were into it's like well early 80s is he-man and even before then even maybe some buck rogers and then there's star wars and then gi joe flows out of that and then um transformers shows up right around the same time and then turtles flows out of that and micro machines flows out of that and turtles was my point and it you know carried over into micro machines but um so anyway so i show him this this big van city thing that like i remember i never had that as a kid and like i loved micro machines and it was one of those things that i i as a kid was like i want that and i never got it you know so then i said he, like uh, the other oh, night, that's he's how ta- they get you, Paul. Yeah, the other night he's <laughs> he's talking about it, and he says, you know, he really wants it. It's, it's a long time till Christmas because I told him, like, I took a picture of it and said we'll put it on your Chris- Christmas list. And he says so it's a long time till Christmas. I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's mm. Like hey, you're not getting that toy before Christmas. Uh, you know, you'll, you're going to be more excited about it because you're going to wait for Christmas to get it if you get it. Side note. Uh, we got, I got it for him before I even showed him the first time. So oh, it's, okay. <laughs> it's, it's stashed away, uh, cool. along with more Minecraft Dungeons figures. I'm talking a little bit quiet cause he is right inside. But yeah. So I told him, you know, when I was a kid, let me show you something. I, I go on my phone and I Google a picture of the Technodrome from Ninja Turtles and I showed it to him. I said, this was a toy that I always wanted so bad and I never got it when I was a kid. I said, you know, we, we don't always get those toys that we really, really want. I told him you're you're spoiled. Like every you you, you get spoiled by everybody because he's he's our only kid. He's the only um, like there aren't many nieces and nephews or whatever. Like there's three nephews. Like he has two two boy cousins. They're the only kids on my wife's side of the family. So like on that side, there's minimal. On my side, he's far away from everybody, so they want to you know throw, spoil him a little extra sometimes because uh, they don't get to see him. You know, it's like my mom does. My dad is pretty static about like. He gives the same gifts no matter what, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but so it it's sounds like, like my dad. All yeah, or maybe every dad, probably. Um, all around, like you know, he he gets spoiled enough, so like he he usually doesn't have to wait for the things that he really wants. But like this year, he's definitely waiting for Christmas. But I showed him the Technodrome. I was like, look, this is this is like Ninja Turtles was what I loved as much as you love Minecraft, and this was something I wanted, and I was never able to get it. I had, like, the turtle van. I never got, like, the sewer layer or the technodrome or any of those cool things. But and it was kind of cool, like, being able to make that connection with him and seeing him have that excitement about a toy like that and being able to be like, I like I, I know exactly what that was like when I was a kid, you know. I know what the toy was that was that for me. So, anyways, that's, that's my toy story that popped into my head in the middle of uh, your... Um, your old men hunting for gi joes and being sad story yeah <laughs> well i was ha- i was the happy one i was the happy old man in that story so i'm, I'm you were happy, happy. other fellow was happy the strange guy that says none of them are worthwhile ended with beachhead yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> hey at least he's got plenty of roadblocks available if he needs to get another half dozen of a figure you know you, you build build an arm you know just a couple just in case you know <laughs> be like the clone wars but you know roadblock yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well yeah so i got my snake eyes i'm happy about my snake i i still haven't even taken the time to unbox snake eyes i also showed you i got a, a foot soldier yeah, that looks awesome. Yeah, it's it's a very good looking. I I got a splinter of the same line a while ago, and I saw the foot soldier. I was just like, this is a very good looking foot soldier. They're from the the first movie, and like I, the character design was really good in the first movie. 
but they look much more realistic not as cartoony of foot soldiers they look actually more like just ninjas is what it looked like to me from what you showed me yeah exactly yeah i mean it that's what it is. Cause like the cartoon, of course, made them robots, so you could kill them with impunity. The original comic, they were foot soldiers. They were ninjas, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And they killed them with impunity because they did that in the first comic. But yeah, so the first movie was based more off the feel of the Eastman and Laird comic, not the cartoon. And then after that, of course, they wanted to make more money off the of kids, so they lightened the tone of everything. You they went all, they got... go ninja, go ninja, go. Yeah. Yeah. I've been so caught up with other things that I haven't even unboxed those toys yet. So they're just sitting on my windowsill still, you know, kind of in view, but haven't gotten them situated in yet. Well, you could be a true collector and just leave them in the box to display lovingly and never, ever touch them. Ironically, be totally out of laziness if I do that pretty much. (laughs) Um, And so far, that's why they're still in the boxes. I've been too busy with other things where when I have time to do something, I'm like, "I I can open a toy... Or I could read, or I could play a video game. I'm like, yeah, that toy can stay in the box for a while longer. I don't have enough mental space for this. <laughs> I get that. I've bought some stuff that has stayed in the box for a couple weeks before I get around to it. Yeah, I just finally sorted out. Like, I, I don't even buy many comics at a time by any means. And I finally sorted through like a decent stack of probably like 10 to 15 comics, which means that they were ones I had picked up over the course of probably several months. And I just... Never got around to, you know, rebagging and boarding them and filing them away. Part of it, though, is I wanted to redo. I have um, uh, comic frames up around the border of my office wall. And at one point, I had finally... um, I I looked on eBay. I wanted to get the City at War run of TMNT because those covers are awesome. And it's a cohesive story. It's like 13 issues. And yeah. I found a lot on eBay for like 30 bucks. that was the bulk of it. It was all but like three issues. And I was like, holy crap, that is an amazing deal. Three bucks an issue because... Some of those are really pricey. I think the City of War ones can go for quite a bit. Yeah, I mean like in 10 bucks minimum is you yeah, know, like pretty much I mean. any like, of the Mirage yeah. ones are like t- at least 10 bucks. But what I discovered is the last issue of City of War was also the last issue of that run. It was shorter printed and and was more expensive so i I think i ended up um getting that one on ebay i want to say for like 30 bucks or something like that and then the other two that i was missing was the first one of that run and either the second one or the next to last one because it was like i was missing three on either side um so i i once i realized kind of the scope of what i had and that you know they were getting harder to find like i went ahead and pulled the trigger and finished it off so once i had them all I, you know, had this variety of comics up in my frames and I used 13 of them for that run. Now, another run that I completed that I wanted to put up on my walls uh, was uh, Weapon X from Marvel Comics Presents. Oh, that's the, all those covers are great. Yeah. Barry Windsor Smith covers. Like what sold me on getting those was uh, somebody had sent me some random uh, like X-Men comics and stuff. And they, there were a few of those in there. Just seeing the Barry Windsor Smith cover, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is this is worth it. And they're not, like, they, they can be, like, not expensive, but they can be a little bit pricier. Like, I mean, they're, they're worth, like, a lot of them are, you know, five-ish bucks, give or take. Yeah. But by being patient, I found a lot of them for, like, a buck. Yeah, I think that was one where I was patient with them. And then eventually I found one of those um, dealers at a con where they just brought out, like, 50 boxes and it was a a dollar a book yep 
and they had the entire run of Weapon X in there kind of spaced out between boxes here and boxes there. So I had to do the thing where it's like pull out an issue here, pull out an issue from this box, compare which ones I still needed and which ones I had. But I ended up pulling that entire run for a buck an issue. Yep, that's the one of the comic shops I go to. Um, they deal in a lot of uh key issues and high grade key issues and stuff like that so their business was already established online before they opened a physical space they basically opened a physical space uh because they were renting the space anyways so there was no reason not to sort of so mm, gotcha. they, yeah. they 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 have cool. an absurd amount of dollar boxes stashed away and then every few months they'll swap them and i found some really good stuff well, even the the guy who runs the shop he's the the owner of one of the shops i used to go to he basically like sold out his shop to them and then became their manager and it was a like a better job for him basically um you know no respond no uh li- no like financial liability but more reliable income uh um, all the reward none of the risk exactly yeah so uh but he even out of those dollar boxes pulled out a she-hulk issue that i believe he told me is like a 70 dollar issue and it's like they know those gems are in there. They don't care because the time it would take to like seek out every little gem isn't worth it. That's why uh-huh. they have those boxes. And the chance of getting those is what draws people in. So like I, I haven't found any kind of gem like that, but I've found some stuff I've been super happy with. I've gotten some pre-94 X-Men in beat-up shape for a buck an issue. But I mean, it's like the kind of beat-up shape you would pay five bucks for easily you and know? by pre-94 you, you mean like silver age pre-issue yeah, pre, 94 pre-issue 94 yeah before yeah. the the relaunch um i found some like you know sub 100 daredevil in there i i actually um i have almost all of like 200 to 300 in daredevil and i got the majority of it not only from their dollar bins but they were having a black friday sale so i got them 15 percent off of a dollar so i got them for 85 cents each uh, so I, I actually, we went there yesterday cause they were having, um, they, they swapped out the dollar bins, but they were also having all their like regular back issues on sale for a buck. Cause they were trying to clear stuff out. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll go take a look. I ended up not buying much of like the current back issues cause I'm, I'm not trying to collect any of that stuff, but, um, I got a handful of daredevil that I was missing. And then I picked up the, I texted you the picture of a couple of, uh, X-Men issues. Um, one of the, I'm now down to as Taking out the one that you have for me that uh, that you still have, yes, um, that that one counted as in my collection. I and the one that I just purchased, I have eight issues left to go to have everything from ninety four to three hundred, and then some. I have quite a bit beyond that. But that's what I'm focusing on. And then I also picked up uh, the annual number fourteen, which is the first cameo appearance of Gambit. Mm-hmm. It's not a super expensive issue like the first full appearances where he's on the cover with Storm. But I, it's, it's getting first... up there, though. It's it's one of those where you you typically like I think I had to pay fifteen or twenty bucks for my really nice sharp copy of it. Yeah, I grabbed it for I think it was is seventeen or eighteen. But it also like it's an annual, so it's thicker, and there's no cracks in the spine, which usually you see more cracks in the spine in annuals because those spines don't have any give. You know, it's like if you bend them, mm-hmm. they crack. You know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's definitely like my copy is a very nice copy of it. Um, but it's also the first time I've seen it in the wild since I've known what it is, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just said, you know what? I want to grab this one while the grabbing's good because uh, I've kind of also kind of seen it come up in buzz. We also know that now Disney, you know, eventually is going to come out with X-Men movies. If they have Gambit in those movies, you know that like anything Gambit's going to skyrocket. 
I'm glad yeah, I already well, had his first appearance. Uh, you know, the the in Uncanny X Men, like the his full first appearance, I guess. Like I, I got that one, and I bit the bullet on that for more than I had got it because I actually had that twice. And when I sold my whole comic collection, I kept a couple of comics, but that wasn't one of them. Uh, so I, I think I had bought it the first time for like forty or fifty bucks, and I bought it the second time for seventy bucks. Yeah, so like I, I got a couple. I have eight more to go in that. Um, yeah, so anyways, that's all a tangent off of the fact that I wanted to get those uh, Weapon X comics up on my wall. And I think that was what was holding me up with bagging and boarding the rest of them is I knew I needed to cycle out all the comics I had up in my frames otherwise. So I finally the other day did all that at once. Got my Weapon X up on the wall. Um, I actually even had to take down a couple of commissions to have enough frames for it. So I eventually need to get some more frames so I can put my commissions back up. Yeah, yeah so, you do. More frames, the better. Yeah, seriously. One more pack, we'll have, I'll have all my commissions back up. And I think I only need to totally circle my wall. And by pack, I mean uh, I buy them in five packs on Amazon because you end up getting them for, like, it's basically like you get one free and save a few bucks. Got it. Yeah, um, cool. Yes, yeah, so I, I need less than two five packs, I think, to fully, like, have a, my wall encircled by it, so... Anyway, so that that's why I still have the the toys in the boxes. I had to get to the comics. I finally got to the comics, and now I have two new ones to put away, plus a few Daredevil. Plus, uh, right. I I got some decent stuff. Like it wasn't it wasn't a day where I walked away being like, "Holy crap, look at what I got!" But I was like, "I'm pretty happy with this." Cool. All so, right. Yeah, you should be. I think. Now I, I guess we should move on to part two of uh of the other the other thing we wanted to talk about. So yeah. I'm I'm proud of two things that uh, us doing this podcast showcases. Number one, before you did this podcast, you only ever podcasted about Valiant Comics, and I'm the yep. one that uh, that gave you new life, and now you have something to podcast about. That's not uh, <laughs> it's, it's all you. <laughs> uh, so proud there. Number two, you, you you truly are the inspiration <laughs> for all my accomplishments in life, Paul. <laughs> all of them, even the ones before yes. you met me. I'm pretty sure were just so you would feel good enough for me when you met me. You're you're retconning <laughs> my my history so that it, you it was you were always Mister Sinister pulling the strings behind the scene. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Other thing is, um, I mean, this is new to me also, but I got you reading reading manga. Yeah, I had kind of dabbled in it here and there, and I read like. The big things like Kira and Ghost in the Shell and my noodleable one that I've talked about before and Death Note. So it's like it'd been kind of hunted and pecked my way through it a, a tiny bit, but I've never really done much of a deep dive into it. And it really goes to show that having somebody talk to to talk to that has enthusiasm and what you're curious about makes you much more likely to find the things that might interest you. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the only reason I've been able to get into it is a couple of people that, um, you know, I talk to regularly on Twitter who I've mentioned many times on the show were able to make recommendations, but by sharing their passion, not just like, we'll read this, read this. Oh, you want to know about it? Well, just Google it. Like you can find out on your own. I've said this before. If somebody asks you what you think about something, it's because they want to know what you want to think. And if you just tell them, just, just go Google it you're just you're an asshole i don't know what else to say like mm-hmm. just just tell them what you think or say i don't want to talk to you and get to the point you know <laughs> oh that's an easier answer i never <laughs> thought about that one just <laughs> hey sean what do you think of this 
I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> much easier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because honestly, if you're telling somebody just to Google something, it's because they're not important enough to you to you for you to spend a few minutes of your time like telling them what you actually think. So, like, be honest about it. Like, be like, I'm an asshole, and I'm just going to tell you I don't care enough to, t- to tell you about this. You know, don't yeah, lie. I guess some people confuse asking uh, about opinions for asking for information. You know, if somebody's saying, oh, who published that and how many issues are there? You know, like that kind of question, that's a kind of a, well, I could Google this for you and find out, or you could Google it yourself thing. But if, yeah, asking, hey, did you like this? Or what do you think of this? Or do you think I would like this? Or what's this kind of generally a, about from a like an, an, a, a subjective viewpoint on that rather than a Wikipedia entry objective viewpoint on that? Yeah, that's it's much different. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what kind of opened the door for me to get into reading mangas. I had people that passionately recommended stuff and then as i talked to them and i the things i started reading which i've I've talked about all these before were things that um they piqued my interest even though they weren't the the ones that like i did this like voting tournament thing they weren't the like akira one of course i still haven't read akira i actually got it from the library and it's sitting inside so i i guess i'll read it soon but I wasn't, I like, even now I'm not as interested in reading Akira as I am in reading other stuff I got that was, you know, had less people pushing it. But the, the passion that certain things were shared with me with made me more interested in those. So I read King Yoyu's books. I read Drifting Dragons. I read Wandering Island. And I love those. That's what, that's what got me into it. Because you know what? If I started reading Akira and Ghost in the Shell... I would have gotten tired of reading it. I would have slowed down. I would have stopped. And I probably would have just like, that would have been my dabble, you know? I think uh, Akira is a little bit different in that I think Akira might hold your interest more than something like Ghost in the Shell would. And that's the consensus I've heard of that too, yeah. Like Ghost in the Shell is more action. Akira it has more to offer than that. Yeah, it does. I think it it definitely pushes on the boundary of the kind of science fiction capsule that contains it yeah in in a way that ghost in the shell doesn't really ghost in the shell kind of very much stays within that action science fiction genre it just does it pretty darn well but akira has has more to it more going on awesome so yeah i'll get to those soon i'm sure we'll be talking about them when i do what we're going to talk about right now though is one um this was uh the 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 creator is a name that was recommended just as, like, anything by them is good. It's horror, which I've definitely learned. Like, I used to just say I don't like horror, but what I really don't like is is gore. I don't like gratuitous gore and violence that's, like, unnecessary and over the top. Um, but done well, I've learned, like, I actually really, really like horror, if it's good. So I wanted to get something by Junji Ito. First, he was recommended, and then I heard news that uh, Hideo Kojima, who anybody who's really into video games would know who he is, um, Metal Gear Solid, is in talks of doing a video game with Jinji Ito. So I was hearing that from comic fans. I was hearing that from video game fans. I was hearing that from horror fans. You know, so like um, pretty big news, I guess. Um, So that was on my radar. You know, I I got to the point where I was like, okay, I have an assortment of stuff to read. I really don't want to keep on buying stuff right now. But I was like, okay, I'm going to keep my eyes out for a Junji Ito book. Um, And, you know, I go to Bull Moose regularly. I know they stock them. And if they have a used copy, it'll be cheap. So, And because they regularly stock them, there's a good chance I'll eventually find one used. 
And sure enough, um, the last time I went into uh, a bull moose, we were trading some stuff in. And uh, I found the one thing I wanted, which was a, a used copy of uh, Uzumaki. So it's cover price, 28 bucks. It was used for 12 bucks. That's why I love getting used stuff at Bull Moose. It's really good oh, prices. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, but so I, I told you about Junji Ito. Yeah, you mentioned him a, a couple episodes ago. And that, I remember the name because I think I had heard it before, but I never really paid attention to the context in in which I heard it. But hearing you describe it as something where it's like, this is somebody who typically everything they do is good. It made me a little more interested. And I saw that Comixology has specifically a Junji Ito sale going on right now as of when we're recording this. I don't know if it'll still be going on when um, we stop, but it, it was then. And I picked up Tomie. Yeah, so, um, sorry, kind of stopped talking. Sorry, I, <laughs> I, I, I totally <laughs> cut your mojo there. <laughs> you had a hard stop there. I was like, I expected another word, and then it didn't come. I was like, I should say something. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should say something, Paul. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, you said you got Tomie, and on top of that, you started reading it immediately, and you, you flew through it. So I said, okay, I, I wasn't actually, because I, I had started reading Berserk, and I wasn't planning on jumping into Uzumaki yet, but you said you read Tomie, like you were excited about it, like you know you were texting me about it, and like this is some crazy stuff. Uh, so I said, you know what, I should just read Uzumaki, or at least like get into it, um, so that way we could talk about it this week while it's fresh. Um, so I jumped into Uzumaki, and I. I don't know if you noticed, but when I texted you when I started reading it, I just exactly copied what you had texted me when you first texted me about it. Oh, you know what? I didn't. <laughs> I I knew I knew it, it it was I knew it was similar, but I didn't uh, pick up that you texted me the exact same thing. Yep. Yeah. I I went back and just copied it because you know you hit the nail on the head. It is some really effed up stuff, but it's so good. Um, I haven't finished yet. I'm a little over halfway through and. I started reading a couple days ago, but I wasn't able to really get into reading it um, until I read a chunk last night and I read a chunk this morning. So, like, I, I've flown through it pretty quickly in the time that I've had to read it. Okay, so what strikes me about this, first of all, so, like, uh, Uzumaki here, uh, there's 20 chapters, including uh, the, the lost chapter at the end. As you read them, each chapter pretty much feels like its own story. Some of them are two-parters. Like, the first two chapters is a two-parter. But then after that, it's just, like, repeated stories in the same town rather than being a, a continual build of one big story, even though I know that, like, in the end, like, the whole story is going to come together and wrap up. But it's not like, uh, you know, you read a typical story and you're getting, like, a little piece here and there that's building up. And so, like, a 20-issue story is just one big story. And if you read just one issue... On it, so like if you randomly read issue number eight, it would be a piece of a story, but it wouldn't really be a story on its own, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one thing that struck me about it. Uh, another thing that struck me about what makes it so good is there's just this this like feeling of dread all the time. It keeps on making me think. Have you ever listened to the podcast uh, "Welcome to Night Vale"? I think is what it's called. I might be remembering wrong. That sounds really familiar i i i know at some point 
I either tried it out. Is that the one where it's like a, a radio dispatch? Yep. Yeah, and it is Welcome to Night Vale. I, I just uh, pulled it up, and I'm actually going to I'm going to subscribe to it again right now, as a matter of fact. I listened to a whole bunch of it, and then just kind of eventually stopped. Because, I mean, when you're binging on things, like, eventually it does kind of get to the point where I'm like, eh, I'm, I'm full. I'm done. You know? Yeah, I think I, I listened to an episode or two, and it didn't quite grabbed me right away yeah i just i moved away from it never came back to it the thing that works with it and it it makes me think of what what makes uzumaki so good is that you always have this feeling of dread and it's kind of accepted in the world and in uzumaki this crazy stuff happens in each story this crazy awful stuff but then at the end it's just like and then they were never seen again. Like it's it's very like um, you know myth story type of stories, but happening in the same town over and over. And it's like people are just obtuse to it. And what it is, like what I, I realize it is, is it's uh, what makes horror like this so good is it's like gaslighting. Your perception of reality is messed up. So the main character in Uzumaki is. Uh, it's all centered around this one girl and then her boyfriend is a key character where he sees that something is wrong. She sees the stuff that's wrong, but is also trying to like lie to herself more than realize that, that she needs to get out. Whereas like the, the boy, I mean the, 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 her boyfriend, they're like uh, high school kids. Basically the first story is his dad dying. And then like the second story is his mom dying. So I guess like he has a little less tethering him down at this point, you know, but man, messed up stuff in this book it's all thematic around spirals like uh the kind of subtitle of the book is spiral into horror uh the blurb on the back kurozucho a small fog-bound town on the coast of japan is cursed according to shuichi saito the withdrawn boyfriend of teenager kiri goshima their town is haunted not by a person or being but a pattern uzumaki the spiral the hypnotic secret shape of the world the bizarre masterpiece of horror manga is now available in a single volume. Fall into a whirlpool of terror. And then, of course, like you, you've you read uh, another one, and the art is the same style, because it's all Junji yeah. Ito. And like the, the scratchiness of the art is... I mean, the more horror is in the story, the, like when there's not anything bad going on, like it's all smooth, it's nice looking, the more horrible it gets, the scratchier it gets. And... It's just it's so good because like these are horrific images, but they're not just gore fest. You know, it's like there's nothing in this book that I looked at and was like I don't want to look at that. Like you know, how sometimes you watch a, a horror movie and a gory scene happens and you like literally look away. Like you're like, okay, I, yeah. I get what's going on. I don't need to actually see it. Like none of these images I look at, I'm just like, oh, I I just want to skim past that. Like I I don't need to like let that image brew in my eyeballs. You know. Hmm. Tomie is a little different okay. from that. So there's, why don't you tell me? There's a little about more it. gore involved. Yeah. So Tomie is uh, similar, like to what you said about Uzumaki, in that it's all pretty much individual stories that focus on, uh, in well, instead of a theme in Uzumaki and a setting, it's about this character, which is it's a girl named Tomie, and. I'll just kind of talk about the first story in the book because it helps kind of reveal what's going on, which is that there's some school children and they are uh, mourning the loss of their schoolmate, Tomie, who was killed recently. 
And what they have, uh, what people found is that she was killed and cut up into pieces. And, you know, everybody in the school is kind of like sad from this tragic loss and is trying to get over it and stuff like that. And they're all back at school and kind of like recovering from this fact that, oh man, our, our classmate was brutally killed in this way. And then all of a sudden, Tomie walks in the door of the classroom and says, hey, everybody, what's going on? And everyone's kind of like, uh, WTF, like this girl is dead. What the heck? How can she be here? And everyone kind of is freaking out about this fact that Tomie is here. But then as things develop we start to see things are a, a little strange with this girl like she goes up to her teacher from the classroom while he's alone in like the the teacher's conference room or whatever and she says oh i'm so glad i'm back and or i'm you know what you, what's up you seem kind of like off and he's like well i'm you know i'm surprised to see you and she says well when are you going to leave your wife and marry me and it's it's like wait what <laughs> and so apparently like the teacher and her were having a, an affair but then you also see she's kind of stoking these um, other relationships with other boys in the classroom and it eventually we cut away to what did happen to Tomie and it turns out that there was a class field trip and they all went like hiking in the woods or something like that and Tomie went up on top of like a big rock where the teacher was and they were talking and she, I don't remember if she was pushed off or she fell, but she fell down off of this rock and apparently died. And then collectively all the students in this classroom said, well, we have to chop her up. And they all kind of like lose their minds and they start chopping her up into little pieces and as they're doing this they realize wait she's still alive and they say well do it anyway like keep chopping her up and they do that and then they are all given a piece of her to spread out like and hide somewhere and so then then they do that and so it's like this collective madness that came over this classroom and we start to see as Tomie's back, she's starting to stoke all these weird, crazy antagonisms between students. And like uh, in the end, we have students having this like giant fight over this now alive again Tomie girl. Essentially, that that's where this one ends is just like things turning into uh, madness in this classroom with Tomie kind of like smiling about it all. Oh, sounds so good. I want more. I want more Jinji yes. Ito. Kind of like you said, though, I think, um, so I was thinking about something that I think this, this relates to, because like when we were talking, uh, you said you didn't want to get another one yet because you didn't want to overdo it, right? Like, um, yeah. you give some room for these things to breathe. That way, when you get into the next one, you're enjoying it on its own. It's not all lumping together where it starts to blur together. Yes, I was thinking about that because, yeah. like, with, with with a lot of things, like, I mean, I was talking about horror and how, like, you know, horror gets more and more. Like, you watch more and more graphic, gory stuff if you're into that, you know. And people I know that are into horror like love the gore fest stuff, and like the the crazier the better. And like, I don't watch this stuff, but you hear it. Like, I remember. I mean, this has been years ago now, but uh, when uh, a movie like um, Saw came out, 
I was like, that is the epitome of what I don't want anything to do with. Yeah. And that's so either. long ago now that you know that it's got to be tame compared to what some stuff is doing now. It's just like, it's okay, let's be as horrible as possible, but without a story to it even. Because it's just like, we're trying to one-up the shock, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I was thinking about that because uh, that's one thing, uh, you know, being a fan of professional wrestling and the the heights of craziness that things have gotten to you know it's like you, you used to have regular matches and like a steel cage match was like the crazy match right um and the steel cage matches turned into like the hell in a cell match which is much crazier and then you end up with you know the undertaker throwing uh mankind off the hell in a cell through a table and people are still <laughs> trying to one up, you know, one up that stuff. And I don't think like that's one thing that I don't think can ever be one up. But people are trying to do things that are more shocking. And over the years, the the target starts to be the shock value moment, not the story. Like that was so good, also because of the buildup of the story and everything. And the more you compact stuff, the more it's like, okay, I got to keep on shoving the stuff in my brain. You get numb to it, so you do need more. So. I was just thinking about that, you know, um, the podcast that, that I, you know, was doing with Sparky that, you know, uh, we haven't been rolling on that for quite some time. But, like, our whole focus of it was slowing down and enjoying things. And I think that's part of the reason why you and I resonate on this is we're not, like, shove everything in our heads as quickly as possible. Like, we're not here with a quota of we need to read every new book and talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. we're both just enjoying things the way that we want to. And talking about what we enjoy, and that's that's where you're able to like really get into what we enjoy, you know. And it just like it struck me reading uh, reading this book and thinking about that, and thinking, you know, that's just been th- something that's been on my mind in general for a while. But even like your story about hunting the toy, like you could have gone online and just bought all of them at a higher price to not deal with the hassle, like the guy who doesn't have time for that, even though he was there with you. Even though he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, but by saying, okay, I'm going to wait till I find, you know, wait till I find certain things and other things, like if it's a really important one, I'll go out of my way for and put the effort in. You know, we've talked about video games some. I got the Ghost of Tsushima. I really wanted it, heard great things, but I wasn't going to go out and plop down 60 bucks for it. But I traded in a bunch of books that I had been given at, at Bull Moose, got a bunch of store credit. And I said, hmm, you know what? If I trade in more stuff, I'll have enough store credit to get the game and have store credit left over that my family can use. So I came home and I went through my books and I, I got a bunch of like hardcovers and stuff that I just like, you know what? I just own these to own these pretty much. Some things that um, that I had that maybe I hadn't even read that I was like, I, I got the because it was a deal and it's just sitting on my shelf. So I, I just like mm-hmm. was kind of like, really, let's pull some stuff out of here. Took stuff in. I got enough to get the game. Had um, a much bigger chunk of money left over than I expected. So that game was worth me going to get right away because I started playing it right away. But if I every, oh, that game is good, so I got to get it. You know what? If I pay 60 bucks for every game that looks good, I'm not going to play most of them until I could have got them for 20 bucks. And by yeah, taking your time you and spreading it out, like it, you know, it makes things so much more enjoyable to do that. So, like I, you talking about uh, Tomie makes me want to go get it. But like, I still got to finish Uzumaki, and then once I finish that, even if I'm just focusing on manga, I got Berserk that I started, 
I got Death Note that I started that I kind of decided I'm going to like kind of read gradually instead of trying to pound through that giant collection. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch of other ones to read, and that's just the you know just the manga. On top of that, I got I started reading GI Joe again, uh, which Ooh. I have a ton of GI Joe from getting a, a humble bundle collection some time ago. And even once I finished the GI Joe, there's the Transformers that I got in that bundle, plus the crossover that I got in that bundle, the GI Joe Transformers crossover. So like that's a lot of stuff to get into. So. It's it's much nicer not to like get obsessed on one thing and like spend all your time on it till you burn it out and then you look back and how much did you enjoy all the pieces of it? Like it's a lot nicer to okay, I'm going to enjoy this piece really well and then keep on moving. You know, and I'll get back yeah. to Junji Ito a little bit down the road. So what I'll probably do is I'll keep an eye out for used copies of uh, of other Junji Ito stuff and by the time I'm ready to read another one if I haven't found one used, I'll grab one new. I did buy the other Junji Ito stuff in the sale. I bought Uzumaki and I bought Kyo also, which those are his three long form stories that he's done. Uh-huh. And so I, I haven't started reading in either of the others yet, but I'm going to kind of wait and hold them off. I just got them now because I, it was a, a good deal, a good price point, And I know I'm going to want to read them at some point in the future. So I just got them. So I know that they're waiting I've also heard that his short story collections are really good, but those are something I'm going to slowly hunt for and mm-hmm. try to get hard copies of. Because I feel like those short story type of thing, that's the type of thing I may want to go back to uh, again in the future because it's such a easy read for one, just a, a short story. I've, and just because I've heard it's really good. So I'm going to try to get those in the wild. But what this reminded me of in in an interesting way is concrete by paul chadwick have you ever read that i i've tried <laughs> oh okay all right so not for you though um i think i have to be in the right mood for it i don't think it's necessary like i'm intrigued by the 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 concept uh there's things about it that i enjoyed but as far as like trying to sit and read it it also might be the kind of thing that I would be better off with a physical copy than a digital copy, and it is so it's on Hoopla, so I can read it for free with a Hoopla download. Um, okay, and so that, that's where I've tried, but it's like I kind of dab- dabbled into it a little bit, but it just it wasn't what I wanted to focus on right now. So yeah, I really like it, and when I first read it, it was one of those where I was like, "Wow, I really, really like this." It felt similar. It's it's not horror at all. So it's not similar to Junji Ito in that way, in genre or anything like that. But it felt similar in how I, I felt it was really compelling storytelling and that it really captured the author's intent in a very direct, uh, real, very strong way. Um, but it's also one where I felt like, like I can't read too much concrete like i can read one story and then i need to not read it for a while because it is a very particular type of story and it's the type of thing where i would become numb to that type of storytelling if i just binged it all yeah i think the impact that it has on me would lessen over time i saw somebody ask on on twitter i don't know a week or so ago uh what stories people thought were better on a monthly basis than as a collection because a lot of stories are are better as a collection, because you get to mm-hmm. like keep on progressing the story. But uh, I, like Concrete's a good example where it's like each story is 
like weighty enough, time consuming enough. Like you can't rush it, or else why even read it? Um, yeah, that getting it monthly is is much more beneficial. Another example I had was uh, you know being a Ninja Turtle fan. IDW started releasing the Urban Legends, which is the the Image Comics run of TMNT, and that story is like crazy fast paced, wild action, like you would probably expect from a '90s Image comic. Yeah, um, sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like issue to issue, stuff is progressing so quickly. Like it's seriously like each issue they wanted to. They have all these stories in mind, and they literally are getting through a story and issue sort of, that's not exactly how it is. Like each story or each issue isn't a concise story, but it's like, okay, we want to introduce this character. This is their story. So it's just like, they're jamming it together. It's like, if you have this ball of clay and instead of like slowly building something, you're like, okay, now it needs this. And you just slap another chunk of clay onto it. And that's how the ball is growing and growing. But if you binge through it, like it just all blurs together and it gets kind of tedious because it's, it's such fast paced action. You're not getting this, you know, the like the slow builds of stories or anything. You're not getting nuances. Reading that one, one issue at a time is like, that was fun. Hmm. Okay. The next one was fun, you know, but like if you're, if you're pounding through them, it's just like, ugh, like, where's this going? Like they didn't even wrap up like what happened like six issues ago, you know? And that's what I'm, I'm, uh, I started picking that up. Uh, like I, I would lag a couple months in it because uh, with IDW stuff, it seems on Comixology, if you get it once it's been out for a couple of months, it drops down to half price. So I'd pick yeah. them up like two bucks an issue, you know? And now I'm kind of behind on that and the, the regular TMNT. So I'm, I'm waiting for them to have a sale where I could pick them up for a buck an issue to get caught up on what I don't have. But yeah, like some stuff is just, it's so much better that way when you're not rushing through it. And you know, how many times do you think about a series? Like, I mean, you've been binging through Age of Apocalypse. And that's a lot yes. of stuff. And you're going to get to the end of that, and there are going to be a lot of things that pop in your head like, oh, I liked this moment. And you're not going to mm-hmm. have a clue where that moment was because you binged it, you know? I already feel that way. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I did finish Age of Apocalypse. And the way I read it is I read it kind of in publication order. So I read all of the first issues, then all of the second issues, then all of the third issues, then all of the fourth issues. And in a way that was cool because it felt like I was reading this story that was all progressing at the same time with just these different different things happening to different characters in different places in different settings. But also because of it, oftentimes I would forget what happened two issues ago in the slave pens with the Summers brothers as I was reading that because it was just, it had been a while since I've read it. And I, I want to read it again, title by title, like read one through four of a single title, then one through four of the next title and one through four of the title after that to get that different reading experience where each each different thread I'm following through to its conclusion before moving on to a different thread. There's definitely a lot in that story. So like I could see doing that. I'm the type I don't often reread stuff and I'm always tempted to reread that, but I know how much it is, you know, how, how much reading there is in that. And I also know that mm-hmm. it's, um, it's nineties comic reading that, uh, sometimes is more work. Um, and not in the good yeah. way that like eighties or seventies comic reading is. <laughs> That's one thing I've noticed is that sometimes it feels like there's the art is either too vague to, 
tell the story or that there's a little bit of a disconnect between the art and the words yeah. in a way that it takes a little time to figure out, wait, like what exactly is happening in this story? Who's saying what and and why? That's, I think, one of the quirks of 90s storytelling that I don't like as much. Yeah, I mean, that, that was very much in the uh, let's draw cool shit stories, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, don't worry about feet. Feet aren't exciting. Draw pouches. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, when it's when it's good, it's really good. Yeah. And um, I really, overall, I really loved Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, that was... And I would put it up there as, like, just... The way I look at it is just looking at it as a standalone X-Men adventure it's just top notch it's up there with some of my favorites it's up there with like the brood saga for just great X-Men storylines and you know and that's what a crossover should be too like an event should be is i mean that was sort of like an elseworlds event so they could do it and not have a a great impact on the real world cuz they could kind of make it end up however they wanted obviously but uh i mean they could explain stuff away easily when it's in that kind of format i know that like things from the age of apocalypse has has affected you know our world or whatever but um they could also like literally just like yeah we don't want this to affect anything so we're just saying it didn't come come over to this side you know yeah sure um, uh-huh. but you know, when I when I was first reading comics regularly, um, and I got into X Men, and it was right before uh, Avengers versus X Men, so I went back and did all this reading. I read all these trades that built up uh, this, you know, the saga that built up hope. Really enjoyed all that stuff, and then I get the you know the event, uh, and the event goes on and on, and it gets to the end, and you know what? Years of build up, they basically just threw away with that event. You get to the end of the Age of Apocalypse and hope meant nothing. And mm. that event... Wait, Age of Apocalypse? Oh, you, I'm sorry. Mean... Uh, Avengers versus X-Men, yeah. And, and, yes. uh, and, okay, yeah. and hope meant nothing. So all this buildup meant nothing. And that was... That's basically like... That was probably a, a better event than most of what has happened since then. Like, events are just... They want to sell a bunch of comics. They make up this big story, but they make sure the to circle back around to nothing changed at the end of it, and that that sucks. The first big event I remember from those two thousands with Marvel was Civil War, which I feel like was really good. It told a complete story in itself that was really interesting and that had big ramifications and ushered in a lot of changes to the Marvel universe, but without sacrificing the actual story that was told within the pages of that story. Yeah. Uh, But then it seems like the next big thing, which was secret invasion. It had all this amazing buildup where the scrolls have been secretly invading everything. But then the resolution was just really bad. Like the key moment didn't even take place in the secret invasion storyline. It took place in like some random tie in comic and so if you're just reading the storyline, it's kind of like, wait, what, what, what the heck just happened? Like this, it, it actually just didn't make sense and felt like it was more an advertisement for the books that were coming out after the fact. And that's what the crossover seemed to become at Marvel was there would all this, there'd be all this really interesting buildup to them. But then by the time the event rolled around, it ended up not mattering much, and it was just more of an advertisement for what comes next. Yeah. And that's when I kind of dropped out of Marvel pretty heavily. Yeah. 
Yeah, there, there's definitely some good stuff in Marvel, um, like Daredevil. I haven't kept up in reading any of these, so don't don't take this as like uh, I am. But um, Daredevil, Chips, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil, uh, you know, with the different uh, artists he's worked with, um, has been excellent. Uh, and I keep on hearing that, even though it's been um, probably six or so issues since I've read it. The Immortal Hulk is that right? Yeah, I've heard. I've heard about that one, the Al Ewing series. Yeah, right? and I read. I, I have more of it on Comicsology because I've been picking it up in trade, uh, or I picked up a bunch of trades, I should say, on sale on Comicsology. Uh, but that's been very good. That's one I keep hearing about as people saying, like, "Wow, this is a remarkable series." Yeah, like much better than average or much better than expected. And, you know, that's kind of the, the key with Marvel, I think, is that the peripheral characters, and I mean, Hulk obviously is a big character, but the story they're letting Al Ewing do is independent of anything else. And I think Hulk is as key of a character as he is. I don't think he's one of the ones that they worry about letting people play with as much as like, you know, Spider-Man. Yes, Spider-Man. No, yeah. no. We need Spider-Man to be involved in like 20 titles. We need them to all be uh, as bland as possible so we can sell them to everybody, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Um, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. The first title I could think of this was, which uh, this was back like not long after I started reading comics, and I lagged on getting into it when I finally did, I loved it, is uh, Hawkeye that uh, Matt Fraction and mostly David Aha uh, did the artwork yeah. on. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. fantastic and it's because nobody gave a damn about hawkeye like here matt do what you want you know and it was a fantastic story fantastic art they were able to be creative in a lot of ways um i got the hardcover omnibus collecting that and it's like i have that on my shelf too. yeah it's one of the things like um i had actually at one time sold it to a friend and then I, after he read it i begged to buy it back from him because i regretted <laughs> selling it because i was i was trying to like liquidate things at one time i was like okay i now realize that i valued this more than i thought you know okay yeah <laughs> well that, you know that's actually well i okay i'm sorry I'm, I'm distracting well keep going with your thought i um just uh, my, my thought basically is that the the good characters the good stories to read are those ones that they don't have to have tied in and all the basically the marketing gimmicks you know like x-men i was so excited about um uncanny x-men coming back and then they were like we're gonna have 92 writers on this book and you know what if that book if if i picked that up in trade for a reasonable price i probably would have said it was okay but for how much i spent for that story it was shit Hmm. um and that's a a purely based on the value versus you know like the cost versus the value i i don't have a problem with the writers doing what they wanted to do it's more about the the price points and the way it was marketed and the way they did it they did it weekly for a long period of time, they had a couple of very expensive single issues in the midst of that. And th- like all in all, the story was like, it wasn't amazing, but it was, it was a fun story. Like I, I enjoyed reading it and I had to, is this like the volume two or volume three of uncanny <sighs> that you're, you're talking about? This is... is it the one that like came out after Avengers versus X-Men or something even like further that? than that? This, this only came out, I want to say like maybe two years ago, less than two years ago. Um, oh okay yeah I, hmm. it's the one but they they ended it right before uh remender took the reins of x-men not right hickman hickman sorry yeah hickman took the reins yeah. of x-men um and it was when they brought because they hadn't had uncanny x-men for quite some time and they had all these other x-men titles and they came back with uncanny x-men and they did i think it was the first 10 issues were weekly 
Issue number one was, I think, $8. Issue number 10 was $8. And it's one of those, you you get like halfway through this long story, and you just feel like they're just treading water. They're just slowly stirring the pot, selling you more issues without actually doing anything. And then you get to the end, and the end wasn't anything amazing, like we just said about most events, you know? Um, Yeah, well, I I think that they... They were in a little bit of a pickle because I, they knew that the Hickman stuff was in the works. Yeah. And that basically that was going to take over everything that happened. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, like I said, I don't blame the creators. And I think that the story is, like I said, if I picked it up in a, in a trade for like 20 bucks, you know, it would it would have been a story that I read and it would have been fine. Yeah. And, you know, but having paid, I mean, God. Full, if it was ten issues at four bucks a pop, plus the the first and last one being eight bucks a pop, that would be forty eight dollars if you paid full price. Most comic shops give you a ten percent discount for subscribing, so that's still over forty dollars for a story that I get to the end. I go, eh, Damn. no, it's it, yeah, and that that was the the nail in the coffin for trusting new Marvel books. Basically, I did um I did do the it's House of X, I, Powers I like... of X, and I I enjoyed those. Um, okay, yeah. I, I dabbled in the, the titles that sprung off of that, but like, I'll go back and read them other ways. Like I'm not doing monthly with, um, with any Marvel book until I know it's already good, you know? <laughs> and, and then like sure. I'm already behind, okay. behind in it. That is what got me back to buying Marvel books, uh, regularly monthly is the Hickman X-Men stuff. Cause I jumped in for the, um, house of X powers of 10 series and that, I loved it. Yeah. And so I put the Hickman X-Men series on my poll list and also New Mutants because cause it's New Mutants and I, I, I like the original New Mutants. And I've been buying that regularly and really enjoying that. I have some catch-up to do on it. I haven't read all of the X-Men books that I have. And I'm probably going to try to catch up on some of the other titles on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. I don't buy them much of them because I just have limited space. So I'm just basically leaving it to new mutants and the books that Hickman himself is writing. Yeah. That's what I'm actually buying in and uh, floppy format. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed them too. Like I did Hawks Pox monthly. Um, and I was enjoying that. I think it was a good story. And I actually want to, I do want to go back and reread it all like together instead of monthly also. Um, and I'm, I am tempted to pick up the hardcover of that at some point just because, like, the art's very good in it. Like, I feel like the whole presentation is very good and worth, um, you know, potentially worth having on my bookshelf. Um, I read uh, New Mutants and X-Men a bit after uh, that. But then I just flagged off on getting monthly books because I got tired of spending all that money, you know, on, on monthly books, basically, that weren't always what I wanted to read at the moment. Like, I'm definitely, like, I'm just, I'm not really a monthly book guy right now. I don't, like, it's it's a lot of money to invest, and it's not really how I go about enjoying things right now as part of it. I don't think the money is always worth it. I think it's like finding yourself getting trapped in, uh, I've been reading this story for X amount of time and realize now that I don't like it. Like, with, uh, not, not Hickman's, but um, the Uncanny X-Men relaunch before that, where when I realized I spent over 40 bucks on it and the way that and you weren't that into it. Yeah. And the way, and the way, I mean, doing it weekly, like, okay, weekly book and we're going to have these extra prices. Like all of it was just an, a real insult to, you know, the, the people who they should be rewarding for being there for this, you know? 
but what are you going to do? Yeah, that's too bad. But yeah, like uh, since Hinch, uh, Hickman, you know, relaunched uh, the X Men, it's definitely a lot more interesting. Um, I I did delve into some other titles when my local shop was closing. Uh, he started selling you know back issues on the wall for a buck a pop. So I picked up a bunch of basically I picked up whatever he had for like all those X books like Excalibur and I don't remember all of what else, but like I read them all and I, I honestly got enjoyment out of all of them. So it's stuff that like, you know, eventually I'll probably, when I'm in the mood to, to do Marvel for a while, I'll grab a subscription to Marvel unlimited for a while, but I don't keep subscriptions to everything because like if I had a, a subscription to Marvel unlimited, I would feel pressured to be reading something on it. And it's not what I want to read right now. So yeah. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. All right, we've been going a while. I think maybe uh, we should leave some stuff to talk about next week. We should now that uh, now that I complained about uh... you did you 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 had you had a big Marvel complaint building up in there. We can't leave on a complaining <laughs> note. Um, po- well, I... positive note for you. Okay, I'll throw out a positive note. So we're talking about me uh, closing the gap on my Uncanny X Men collection here and. Speaking of Jonathan Hickman making stuff more expensive for me, because of the uh, the predominance of Moira McTaggart in his relaunch, um, X Men number ninety six is the I first ninety seven. Is it nine? Well, is it ninety six or ninety seven? I can never remember. I, I'm which. pretty positive okay. it's ninety six because uh, I picked up ninety seven also, but that was after. Yeah, it was ninety six. Uh, is the first appearance of Moira McTaggart. And so, like, I started trying to look for this book. I'm like, why is it so damned expensive? So I sent a message to my, like, first real comic shop down in Portland, Coast City Comics, and said, hey, do you have this? And the response back was, like, basically, like, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) But in, in reality, he's like, I haven't had that for a while. And I said, why is it so expensive? And he told me. Uh, you know, Moira McTaggart. Uh, and like, I knew it was the first appearance of Mo- Moira McTaggart. I independently of that knew that she was predominantly featured in Hickman's relaunch. I didn't put the pieces together and I don't often like put the pieces together when it comes to speculating. So he pointed out, I was like, oh man, I need to, I need to find me a way to get this book. And I ended up finding a, a pretty good deal on a copy. Somebody had it like buy it now on eBay for, I, I had been seeing it for like not less than I think 70 bucks for a, you know, a rougher copy and going up from that. And uh, somebody had it buy it now for, I think like 40 or 45 bucks. So I like, I snatched that bastard up. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So all right, that's the positive I'm going to leave you on. That was a big one. And I was excited to get that. I like the character of Moira McTaggart. Actually, I really like what Hickman has done with, you know, making her mean so much more and building a story in a different way uh and not just not just stirring the same soup over and over you know yeah what i've found really interesting is because i've been reading a lot of 90s x-men comics reading the books with moira mctaggart in them in the context of what hickman has done with her makes the books read fairly differently and it still kind of works. It it doesn't really break anything, but it does add another way of looking at this, which I think is really cool. So I've that's been it's been really neat. Awesome. All right. Well, maybe we'll dive into uh, Hickman's X Men a little bit more at some point on this show when we both read a little bit more of it. Maybe we should do that. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening 
to this installment of 99th episode. I'm Sean, and you can find me on Twitter at Bad Deacon. And as always, I'm joined by... I am Paul. And you can find me on Twitter at Who's Paul. Cool. Excellent. So uh, stop by and tell us what you're reading and, and what you are enjoying. And uh, you can find this podcast basically anywhere where podcasts are, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, iTunes, podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, whatever it is now, all of that stuff. So please subscribe for more because we're going to have more coming. Until that, uh, I guess next time, uh, enjoy your comics and everything else in life.